Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In the age of online retail, buying a car should be no different. That's why Carvana invented a brand new way to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made a purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door. Or you can pick it up from one of their coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy ensuring you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check out the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save $25. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 What's going on, guys? I'm Ben Bateman. And I'm Andrew Guy. And we are the, the Action, Action guys. guys. But we're not going to be on this feed anymore. Crazy. We're moving. Yes, the Action Guys. We've taken action to another feed. <laughs> don't worry. We, we don't actually always talk like that. <laughs> uh, if you guys have listened to the Action Guys here on this feed on the, uh, the Movie Talk podcast feed for a while, we've had a blast doing it for a few months. We are moving over to the other Collider feed, the Collider Factory feed. It's the same one where you know Haley Fouch does the witching hour and you got Makuga over there doing TV talk. Yep. And There's about one show per day. We're going to become the Monday show on that channel. The full video version of these continue to be available on the Action Industries YouTube channel, but the audio versions are downloadable Every single Monday by 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, you can check the show out. So uh, go follow us over there. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the Movie Talk feed. You should continue to enjoy it. And uh, starting this week, because we're double-dropping on both channels, make sure everybody knows about the action, guys. That's right. Uh, and then you know, going forward, every single week, we'll be on the Factory feed 6 p.m. PST. Um, thank you guys for, for supporting. Yeah, and we'll see you over on the Collider, Effect, Collider Factory channel. The Collider Factory channel. We're awesome. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's going on, guys? I'm Ben Bateman. And I'm Andrew Guy. And we are the The Action Action Guys. Guys. Yes. Why do you always say the yes? Are you that hyped? I'm excited. I'm so <laughs> – honestly, I am so freaking excited to talk this episode. It's 
This has been like four years in the making. This has been eight years in the making. Yeah, this it's is, literally – this is our friendship. This is the beginning to the end. It's all – this is the ending of Return of the King. But it's not because it ended six times. So yeah. we'll be back next week with another episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, this is the Action Guys. We talk about sweet, sweet movies here on Collider. Uh, I'm Ben Baby, and that's Andrew Grass. We mentioned today we're going to be doing an episode, a very special episode that we are titling Fist Pump Film Club. Yeah, yeah. And you guys have, are probably used to, to catching us on the Movie Talk feed. But this week is our last day on that channel. We'll be moving over to the Collider Factory channel. There's a lot of other great shows on there. We're very excited to be moving over. So just remember to subscribe to both. Yeah. And if, uh, if you've been used to catching us on the Movie Talk feed, we will not be there after this Monday. We will be moving forward to the Collider Factory channel. Collidery. Yeah. Why do I keep the doing Collidery that? Collidery Factory feedy. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna, yeah, this week uh, you might uh, – if you, if you subscribe to both feeds, you're probably going to get us double downloaded. But um, we are going to be moving forward, as you mentioned, only on that factory feed. We're going to be the Monday show. So 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, the audio is going to drop. The full video version of this show uh, is not published anymore by Collider, but it is published by the Action Guys. Yeah, uh, it's produced by Collider. Yeah, and you know, it's brought to brought to you by Collider, but we put it over on the Action Industries YouTube page, which we are doing live streams from now. There's actually a lot of really exciting news. I'll save to the middle of the show to kind of promote shout out. But uh, just so you guys know, if you want to you know continue to check out the show, go over to the Collider Factory feed, download the show on Mondays, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing today. Yeah, and they'll be available at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. In case you were wondering what time on Mondays, I said it. You weren't listening. To me. Oh no, I wasn't. Yeah, nice. Should we start over? No. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> because we're going to talk about Boogie Nights. Yes. I mean, this is – there's been a few movies in our friendship that have been like like staples of our friendship. Obviously, one is clearly Boogie Nights. The other one is Warrior. Is Interstellar the other one? Or is there like an older movie that – because I feel like there's three, right? Well, there's more. There's well, a, right. There's, there's like 200 of them. <laughs> I would say that the definitive, the <clears throat> defining movie is Warrior because yes. because it's so. There's so many things that I can think of. Our friendship to the to, to the team that made it, to the cast, yep. um, just sort of how many cool experiences came from it, all that. Um, how many bad life experiences have been brought yeah. up by that movie? <laughs> um, and we've also, and Warrior is also the movie that was sort of our favorite. It's like our baby. A lot of our fans have told us they had never watched it, and it's yeah. become one of their favorite movies. So, but I would say Boogie Nights is is a close. Uh, the counterpart, the closest, because it's the movie that is and has been our favorite collectively since I've known you. Yeah, I mean, it we, arguably might be my favorite movie of all time. It's ironically, we both think Warrior might have moved up to our favorite movie of all time. For me, it's got to be just the three. I think it's just Gladiator, Warrior, and Boogie Nights. Yeah, I, for me, it's Point Break, Warrior, and Boogie Nights, and then is, Magnolia is the kind of companion movie. Right. We did a top five favorite movies episode at one point on this on this show, I know, where we both talked about our five favorites. We did a little bit of a discussion on Boogie Nights because we both love it, but a proper show like we're about to do today, something else entirely. Because yeah, a deep dive. Andrew and I do this show called Action Movie Anatomy. Um, the it all began. Uh, no, back in 2015, we, we started this podcast called Action Movie Anatomy, the two of us. And it was, it was over on the Popcorn Talk Network, which uh, uh, owned and, and run and started by Kevin Undergaro and Maria Menounos of, you know, giant television host fame. Yes. Um, like, like such such a like brilliant broadcaster. First person to interview, interview Barack Obama, like just like such an awesome. But anyway, so she's taught us a lot about, about broadcasting and they, they launched that show with us. And so we've done almost 200 shows worth now. Yeah, what is it, next month is 200? Yeah, yeah. the wow. week of July 1st will be the 200th episode. So we'll be doing a whole special uh, special episode here, special episode there. Kind special of, stream for 200 minutes. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. We're going to tie it all together. And you know, when we established the rules of that show, which is action and action-adjacent movies, yep. 
there's there are certain kind of a brand of movies that we didn't feel like we could ever cover. And, and as much as we talked ourselves into it, Boogie Nights was going to be a pretty tough sell to ever make on an action movie show. Like it, it would have been the definition of us being like, well, we don't give a shit what the show format is and what we've we've held true to for for four years. Even though we love the movie so much, we're like, we just can't do it. So this show, the action guys talking about their favorite movie, Boogie Nights, is, it seemed like the very perfect place to have it. Yeah, we're, we, we, uh, at one point, Andrew and I, we tried to launch a bunch of different projects over the years. And one of them, we, we, we tried to come up with was called Fist Pump Film Club. Yeah. Uh, it was going to be all these sweet rules that were like what makes movies awesome. And uh, who knows, maybe a show like that will exist someday. But we are we going to affectionately title this Fist Pump Film Club Boogie Nights because it's the uh, – Easiest way to classify. This is not an episode of Action Movie Anatomy. We are going to follow a similar format so you guys kind of know what that show is like. If you've never listened to it, yeah. if you enjoy this episode a lot, this is going to be the way that show works. There's 200 of those you can go check out. So if you go check out the Edge of Tomorrow episode, you'll see a very f- chubby and very, very sweaty Andrew Guy. Oh, I just didn't know if you were going <laughs> to. Oh, no. I'll, I'll throw. I, it's been long enough. It's been long enough. I've, I've, I've grown past it. Although the other day when I did show someone the picture, I got hot. I, like I started sweating and I was like, Jesus. It's my favorite. My favorite was his response. He was Because yeah. like, I kind of told him about it. He was like, oh, really? And then I showed him. He's like, oh, whoa. Yeah. Wow. What's funny is uh, I'm uh, skinnier. You and Roxy are both chubbier. Yeah, we yeah. really are. Like we, we look like babies. <laughs> yeah, like Roxy and I. Like it, it, it is funny. We both have really grown up in the yeah. last four years. Yeah, it's been I mean, it's a long time. <clears throat> so, uh, all right, guys, a couple quick uh, plugs and, and social things to shout out before we get into the full episode here. You guys can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media. You guys can find me at Andrew Guy. You guys can find the show at Team Action Show. Uh, these are all going to be Twitters and Instagrams. Um, go follow. There's content being pushed out there all the time. We have this amazing team, uh, Action Industries, who are pushing out incredible content, supporting supporting this brand and making yep. it happen. We just tried to do a private chat with the generals of the Patreon. We couldn't even start a Google Hangout on our own. We couldn't. Thank We're God so they inept. came in and <laughs> saved us last minute. So, uh, yeah, Twitter, Team Action. So, Instagram is at Action Industries. Do not forget to check out our Discord through patreon.com slash Team Action. There's Alex McFarlane and Eric Frederick are running that. They're doing a phenomenal job. And lastly, our YouTube page. It's just youtube.com slash Action Industries. Ben have started a venture into live streaming. Pantsless live streaming. I started the first one pantsless. Yeah, but the camera's not. Don't worry. It's completely off camera. Yeah, it's fake news. I was wearing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the streams have been amazing. They really have. They've been so much fun. We've done them. Um, we've done two now. They're both for a little over an hour. You did one solo yesterday. Sunday we did one uh, together, and it's awesome. It's a really. It's a. It's a way to kind of to, to talk to Ben and I on a more personal level. You can ask us questions, anything about movies that are coming out, the Schmodown, our personal lives. I showed a picture of me when I was nineteen, when I was like fifty pounds heavier than I am now. I had never seen it. You got a real reaction from me on camera. I couldn't believe I'd never shown you. Yeah, you look like you pumped yourself full of air and ate myself. Yeah, well, like no, both it, of them. The shape of your head is round. It, it is, as you used to say. I we have would, moon face. As we used to work together <laughs> in a restaurant. <laughs> my face is a moon. <laughs> it was. It was. That picture is one of my favorite things. You coming back from Hawaii? Oh, orange and orange I shaved my head too too short. Oh, that was the worst day of my life. And then my my favorite thing. So I went to Hawaii a couple years ago, and I gained like 15 pounds, and I was there for 14 days. I gained a lot of weight. I all I did was eat and drink. You were when about I was to go there. through a break if you're very unhappy, just yeah. drinking and eating. And and I used to also shave my head back then. So what happened was, me and my ex girlfriend got home, and I I used to sit on the kitchen floor yeah. in front of this tall and just cry. No. <laughs> Front of this mirror, and I'd shave my head, and and I got halfway through, and I was like, something looks different. And I was like, yo, babe, is this? And she was like, oh my god. And I was like, what? She goes, 
oh my god, your hair. And I was like, no, it's true. And I was so anyway, I'd cut, I'd, I'd not put on the guard because I hadn't shaved it in so long. So I, I cut it like a whole inch shorter or something. And then I go to work and I'm like, on my way to work, I'm like, okay, maybe no one will notice. Maybe no one will notice. It'll be fine. No one will say anything. Like, maybe they'll notice my tan or maybe. But <laughs> First thing that happens, Ben goes, oh, my God, you look like an Oompa Loompa who shaved their head. What happened to your head? You're orange. And I was like, God, damn it, I'll kill you. <laughs> Immediately started sweating. Oh, I was so mad. I was so mad, but I, it was just true. So, um. You, well, is that the same day you got into a fight and stormed out with Derek? Probably it's similar. Oh, got to be right around then. Yeah, yeah. Good times. Derek's a good friend of mine. Yeah, now. that's so funny. I like Derek. Yeah, a lot. I love Derek. So those—that's what you can catch on the live stream. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, I, I know if you tuned in to hear about Boogie Nights, you've probably stopped listening by now. But um, it, this is what we do on the show. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, guys, we are going to talk about Boogie Nights. Now, the way the show works is usually we uh, we introduce it. There's these rules we follow. We're not going to do that today because it's not an actual episode of AMA. Yep. But uh, we are going to get into the very first part of the show, and that is thesis statement. Yep. So thesis statement is your biggest, boldest thought about a movie, right? If a movie comes up at a party and you start talking about it with someone, especially if it's a movie you love, you kind of say, this is this is the first this. This is the only movie where this happens. You know, This is the greatest use of this ever. Like, It should really be a statement you think of that's almost like rooted in hyperbole. Right. This is the biggest point you have about the film. Like, and if you only had one thing you could ever, ever communicate about this movie, and you really wanted to make a point, you really want to be poignant, this would be the only thing you said. You'd drop the mic and you'd walk out of the Boogie Nights party, which yeah. that party would be, be sweet. sick. A lot of cocaine. A lot of cocaine. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually an interesting exercise because if you think about, like, like I review movies on Twitter in 280 characters, what do you say about a movie? You know, right. what's, what do you say about a movie if you have a very like, limited number of words? And so uh, do you want to jump in first? Well, or I was going to say some of the examples we have written down, and these are examples that we've written from the very first episodes of the show. So, uh, you know, uh, speed is oh, – I don't even actually think these actually would work anymore, honestly. So like one of mine is that Maximus Decimus Meridius is the greatest hero of all time yeah, in right. film, period. Or you could say something like Predator is a slasher film masquerading as an action movie. Right. Um, you know, it you, is actually terrifying. Yeah, you can – and you know, uh, you, you can say all these things. I mean people who come on the show, sometimes they'll throw more words in, but it's like this is the best Jake Gyllenhaal performance, something like that. You know, you can – and so uh, I'm, I'm, I'll jump in first okay. with mine. Sure. Boogie Nights is the most positive thing to come out of the adult film industry ever. Wow. That's interesting because I haven't seen the, the Netflix documentary or whatever where it's like after porn ends or after the camera stops rolling. It's all about the life after being a porn star. Like there's – don't get me wrong. There are movies that deal with the adult film industry. Oh, for sure. There are documentaries. There are sympathetic looks at it. There are people like Sasha Gray who – or you know Mia Khalifa who have gone into acting or broadcasting careers right. where it's like – I don't think of the adult film industry or sex workers as like – the most negative thing. It's no. like, you know, there's obviously a seedy underbelly to that world and in reality. But this is arguably one of the greatest movies ever made in my opinion. It's my favorite medium. Of, of, you know, film is my favorite medium and yeah. it might be my favorite movie ever. It's close to it. And so I can't feel like there's anything else that's even touched this in terms of its impact. And what I love about that, your thesis and, and, and the movie, is that it's not – they don't sugarcoat it. They really don't. No. They cocaine coat it, which is it gets really, really awesome and really fun, and then there's a huge crash and come down. And then depending on how you deal with it, Todd Parker or Dirk Diggler, your life goes one way or the other. And and that's one of the reasons why Requiem for a Dream is one of my favorite movies of all time. Now, it is very hard to watch, but I've always said, look, if you want kids to not do drugs, show them Requiem for a Dream in school. Because right. it'll show all the cool things, all the things that they don't tell you in D.A.R.E., in, in, in drug class, the right. things that they don't educate you on. You're going to make a lot of money. You're going to have so much fun. You're going to have a hot girlfriend that loves everything about you or boyfriend, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's going to hit you. 
then it's going to all catch up with you. And, and that's what I think is so beautiful about it. So I, I do love that. And I think my thesis is going to be more direct about the casting of the film in which this is the greatest ensemble cast ever represented in film. That is such a that's such a ballsy statement considering the number of movies we love. But uh, oh, and I even, can't really argue against it too hard. Yeah, I mean, think of Infinity War. You know, think of all the Marvel movies that have come out. You know, the Ocean's movie, what what have you? This cast, though, the amount of <clears throat> range and and acting chops that come in here. I mean, if you want to talk about great actors, you can ignore the the Julianne's and the PSHs and and, and talk about talk to me more about you know Heather Graham. How many times have you looked at her and been like? God damn, she should win an Oscar. Or how many right. times do you ever look at uh, – why am I forgetting Todd's first name right now in real life? Tom Jane. Yeah, Tom Jane. Why you, you, when you ever look at him, you're like, that's an Oscar-worthy performance. Melora Walters. Like, who's Melora yeah. Walters? Well, she stands out in this movie. Right. And, and then John C. Riley. This is one of those things. I mean, P.T. has had a great use of John C. Riley and Magnolia in this film showing he's – the dude's hilarious. And he has great, hilarious moments in this. Yeah. But he's also got such great, dramatic chops – Everyone, Burt Reynolds, Mark Wahlberg was born to play this role, you know. So um, that is definitely that is one hundred percent my thesis statement. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, I could go on and on and on and on about the cast in this movie. I mean, there's so many, and there's so many. You know, William small, H. You William know. H. Macy and Alfred Molina, and uh, I mean, it's endless. This the oh, cast what's, is. What's his wife's name? Is she uh, the the. You're talking about William H.'s wife. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't think what her name is right off the bat. She's it's, she's really – she's kind of blowing up over the last couple of years too. Yeah. Uh, I'll look her up while uh, while we move forward. But, uh, yeah, that is how the show usually starts, guys. We share a thesis statement. So if you have a different thesis statement, one that's uh, similar or different to ours, share it in the comments below. Uh, you know, make sure you subscribe if you're, if you're watching this on – the Action Industries YouTube channel. Moving on to the next part of the movie. Uh, this is going to be the hardest one for us to stay. Uh, oh, Nina Hartley. Nina Hartley. Yeah. This yeah. is going to be the hardest one for us to stay focused on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This fist pump moment. This is the moment something happens in a movie. You look around. Maybe you're drinking. I don't know. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just having a great time. You're by yourself. You're in a theater. You just look around. Is anybody else seeing this right now? Because something happens. You're just like, yes. Oh, my God. I get to watch the rest of this movie right now. I'm so hyped. Uh, and this it can really be anything. You know, yeah. this can, it can be an explosion, a headshot, a certain line, a look, a touching look between father and son, the, the music. It could be a depressing moment. Gary Busey's teeth. It could be anything. <laughs> Gary Busey's white suit. Gary Busey's teeth in another movie. <laughs> Gary Busey's teeth. <laughs> when uh, we, just, we just had a, an incredible guest on our show of Action Movie Anatomy talking about his movie, Avengement. And he yeah. was saying how he was Gary Busey's son's stunt double. So Jake yeah. Busey's stunt double on Starship Troopers. I wanted to ask him about the knife in the hand so bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, I just figured it wasn't the, just wasn't the moment. wasn't the time. Yeah, because he didn't take a knife in the hand, it would have just been a dumb question. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I really wanted to <laughs> talk to him about it. Well, I asked him about Point Blank, and uh, he wasn't really in the movie, so <laughs> yeah, it was like I was there for like two days. And yeah. I didn't even, so um, I will start first with this, and you know. The way that I was introduced to this movie is my friends told me about it in college, and I watched the drug deal gone bad scene maybe 10, 20 times. Before, before you ever, seen the movie. ever saw the movie. I just I was just so just mesmerized by it. There was something so beautiful about it. And it's really tough for me to, to kind of pick a moment because I love when William H. Macy kills himself. That's honestly – it, it's one of my fist pumps because it's when everything starts to change, the 80s. But this is so weird. For me, it's during the drug deal gone bad scene – when shit's about to hit the fan and Wahlberg's sitting there and he's just staring off. And you can just see the thoughts going through his mind of just like, what am I doing? How did I get here? And he's not doing anything. He no. He's not even – you don't even see those. He, he starts just, like smiling kind of. Yeah. And he's just gone. 
It's not like he's trying to emote these thoughts, but in you, your mind, you as the viewer, do so much work for him because you're like, you'd be thinking all the same shit, you know, and you just saw how bad it could really be for him earlier. Right. So that moment when he's sitting there and just staring off every single time, it just it just brings me right back to the center, like right back to center, just beautiful, pure filmmaking, great acting, great cinematography, the writing, the tone, the music, everything about it for me, it just all comes together right there. Yeah. And every time it happens, I just feel like full. Yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it any other way than that. It's – I mean, again, this movie has endless numbers and yeah. I could pick, I could pick a, a scene. I could pick a moment from any scene. And it could be my fist bump moment yeah. um, because there are just so many. But I think if I was going to – I'll expand it beyond a single moment and I will say that my fist bump moment in this movie is the pool party. Yes. And it's because it's – the movie opens and, and Dirk has this really intense, really sad scene where he gets you – know, he runs away from home. And it cuts immediately from this really dark moment to him showing up uh, out in wherever it is, like Reseda or something. Or he lives in Reseda. Yeah, it's the yeah. valley. It's somewhere in the valley. Mm-hmm. He shows up at Jack's house and he knocks on the door. Oh, my God. And this party starts. And from the beginning of the party all the way through the end of the night when they're in the hot tub and he talks about – he's been thinking about his name. I think that's the scene. He talks about Dirk Diggler, isn't it? Is that uh, it might be the next one. OK. Or, or is it that one? I can't I – can't, <laughs> we should know this. I think it's the next one because um, this is when he first meets everybody. When he first meets everybody. Yeah. But like him showing up and the look from Philip Seymour Hoffman as Scotty J when he can see – looks across and he sees Dirk and Dirk first meeting Reed when when uh, when Wahlberg first meets John C. Riley, it, that might just be my favorite moment in the whole movie when he's when he just first sees him and he's like bartending and he's like making the worst margarita the ever. The worst margarita ever. <laughs> and he's like uh, – you ever worked out at Dukes? Oh, wait. I would have seen you. I'm there every I'm day. There every day. Yeah. <laughs> How much did you bet? How much you bet? I asked you first. Same time? Cool. They say, <laughs> they say that neither of them says it. But he's like, you ever see that movie Star Wars? Yeah, like five times. People tell me I look like Han Solo. <laughs> the whole – their interaction in that scene, I've gone back to and watched so many times because yeah. it's just like this is just beautifully stupid, funny and incredible. It's so well everything. You've got the touch. That's the That's other one. That's the other one that I was just like it's so good and so bad. But I actually in that scene, in the you got the touch scene, I actually like feel my heat more. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> – oh my god. Yeah. Feel, 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 feel. <laughs> Feel Okay, let's lay it down. Let's lay it down. <laughs> the heat will rock you. And I love <laughs> I also love in the pool party scene how they cut to the first person view of Scotty J. That's amazing. Seeing him for the first time and yeah. like walking over and being all awkward. So we're on films too. Yeah. Uh, he, no, it's dude, it's that scene, the whole sequence is just my favorite thing. I yep. just every time I've watched the movie. Really, I think um, – I don't remember who it was, but there's a very, very, very famous movie critic who described in his review of Boogie Nights that the first hour of Boogie Nights is some of the most flawless filmmaking ever made. Like the first hour, I think it's probably through the time that he wins the award. Right. I would have to think. I don't remember when the first hour like sort yeah, of ends. First, the first speech is you keep rocking, I'll keep rocking. Yeah. Uh, what I also love – Early on is the is the whole first filming of Dirk, you know, from from Scotty J getting him in the locker and walking side by side in this tiny ass like I know that PT probably would have gotten there and maybe him and Philip Seymour Hoffman got there together. Yeah, but I, I guarantee you, PSH was like, 
I think I can know how I can make this like even more weird and pathetic. Is yeah. if like every door, I don't know whether I go first or second, and, yeah. and then like we try to squeeze through this hallway. Like it's just so beautifully shot. Um, My backup then, fist pump was that Scotty J is the greatest character performance of all time. That was I, I decided it's too extreme to say, right? But that was my backup thesis. It, it really is. It's really so good. And then what I love is the acting. The horrible acting from Julianne Moore as yeah. a porn star. When yeah. you realize that the whole rest of the movie, she's a brilliant actress. Yeah. Like, it's just – it's incredible. <laughs> what does she say when she's like – she's like, just as I thought. <laughs> yeah, just as I thought. That's a huge cock. Yeah. Something like that. You're like, <laughs> so, oh, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, the movie is is unreal. The, the fist pump moments – I like that's the thing is I, I feel like we went through every scene – we would find one moment in every single scene yeah. that we would lose our shit and we'd want to talk about. So if you That's guys possible. are watching this, He's Chinese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you guys are watching this, leave your thoughts in the comments below and let us know what is your fist pump moment, what is your thesis statement. Uh, we're going to con- continue moving through um, to the next part of the show, and that is star profiles. So, yeah, this is a fascinating one because you know Mark Wahlberg was he'd only been in three feature films total before doing this. Everything else that he'd done was all New Kids on the Block and Marky Mark work, which is also like. Ironically, I didn't even know that Mark Wahlberg and Marky Mark were the same person for a long time. You know, like it just wasn't a thing for me. And then finally it, it clicked and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a youngin'. So he was in Traveler in 97. Okay. And then he was in Fear in 1996 and The Basketball Diaries in 95. So, you know, Fear and The Basketball Diaries are relatively popular films in, you know, kind yeah. of. In, in- Leo's in Basketball Diaries. <laughs> so that's a big, you know, that was up and coming. Um, but and this was this was the next movie, and I think this is really the film where people were like, "Oh wow, Mark Wahlberg can can actually do this." And I also think it was perfect casting. Uh, next In, up, incidentally, yeah, Leo turned down the role, which is he could have done it. Of course, he's Leo, right? He was young. He was really young. I mean, I I think he could have done it because like Dirk's supposed to be pretty young. Yeah, and I think Leo would have done great. Um, and maybe his career wouldn't have suffered at all for it. But he didn't really. He, like a movie about porn feels like it would it wasn't on his brand, which is why he didn't do it. That's and I fair. and I sort of wonder if he had done this weird movie about porn that's so like funny and dirty, and if it would have like would he have gotten Titanic? Would he, you know, like would his Cameron career have gone him. the same way? And I don't know. He protected his brand in a different way. Even now, if Leo does a movie, like he's willing to take on any kind of a part, but. It's like he had to grow into that ability where the audience trusted him or something. Well, most all of his characters are pretty wholesome, right? Like they're and if they're not, it's like the, it's kind of been the world against them. Like in Shutter Island, he lost his mind because he lost his family. You yeah, know? Wolf, and then like, you know, he's definitely not wholesome there. But, oh yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, Belfort. Yeah, I guess if if he did Wolf now, how do you explain this movie to people that have never seen it? Boogie Nights. Yeah. So do you do you tell them it's like a movie? Because I think what mine is is like it's it's a. Uh, it's a movie that focuses on like the porn business and, and, and its relation to drugs in the eighties, but it also has like a beautiful story arc with like I, I have such a hard time describing what this movie is to people. I don't find myself describing it to people very often because I think at this point it's become almost like this sort of like folklore legend movie. Like every true movie lover loves this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I interviewed Dennis Haysbert and Mike Coulter recently and they had both of them. Recited as one of their top five favorite movies. Just incidentally, I was asking about something else. I was asking about Heat, I think, because right. that's one of my five favorites. And they were both like, "Yeah, I think Boogie Nights." So yeah, I think Boogie Nights is top five for me. Also, like everybody loves this movie. Yeah, and even even uh, Jesse Johnson, you yeah, know, who who was on our show earlier, the director of Avengement, he was like working with Paul Thomas Anderson, one of the greatest directors I've ever worked with. Yeah, and he loves Boogie Nights. I think uh, if I was going to have to describe this movie to somebody, I would say is it's a it's a bit of a fairy. The first half is a fairy tale about the porn business in the seventies when it represented something different than the business it became, and the second half is 
a dark film about drug use in, in the 80s. Yeah. And it's ultimately a film about a family of misfits coming together. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, that's what the story sort of is. Is this, they're, all, they're all this, like, weird, you know, mis- mismatched, kind of taped together family. But on the other side, you've got Burt Reynolds, uh, the three films, Mad Dog, uh, Mad Dog Time, 1996, Meet Wally Sparks, 1997, and Bean in 1997. Burt Reynolds' career had uh, kind of gone off the rails in a big way. And obviously, rest in peace, Mr. Reynolds, earlier this year. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, he really didn't want to do this movie, and he thought it was a bad script, and he didn't get it, and he complained a lot. He was a nightmare, I hear, on set in the sense of he was just never satisfied. He thought it was just like... Kind of the same way that Tom Hardy has been known for in a lot of his movies, including yeah. Warrior. Like he, sometimes you're just too close to it. You can't really take a step back, and that's why you're an actor and not a director. Right. And, and the director's just sitting there like, just trust me, man. Just trust me. Gavin O'Connor, PT, same thing. Yeah, it was like, right. just trust me, man. And and uh, Burt Reynolds got his first and only Oscar nomination for this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a famous, famous uh, experience. This movie came out in 1997. Uh, I believe Burt Reynolds in 1997 would have lost to – let's see if I can f- come up with this one here. Uh, I want to say it's James Coburn for Affliction, um, but it's possible that it's not. It's actually 1997 would have been – no, it's it's he lost to Robin Williams for Good Will Hunting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which – so yeah, Which is like – uh, unbelievable and incredible and amazing. Yeah, you can't. I don't think you can. You can kind of go either way on yeah. that, honestly, because Williams and, and Goodwill is that speech in the park about his wife and, and seeing the world is, is one of the greatest things. So yeah, he was doing Being Meet Wally Sparks, Mad Dog, Time, and he also had two TV movies mixed in there. But now he never really started. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it's a little weird because you. They're the stars, but we could just as easily have Julianne Moore listed here. We could have we could have uh, John C. Riley listed here. We could ha- I mean, there's you know, Heather Graham. I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot of stars of this movie. Yeah. There's really it's really an ensemble cast. The only true like star of the movie is Mark Wahlberg. Is Mark Wahlberg, and then yeah, it does really feel like Bird is just because he's in the film. He's the dad. Yeah. You know, he's the he's the leader of the family. So. Um, you know, next part of the show, uh, we're going to do a couple shout-outs before we get into production development. Guys, if you haven't checked it out, patreon.com slash teamactions where you can get all the information on us. We're running a great promo right now for these amazing gold collector coins. You can get the $25 and above level. Um, these were made by Nick Gilmore. The art was uh, – made by Janine the Machine and they're just they're just the coolest things. If you don't know what challenge coins are, they they have a very close relationship to the military. They are because of the military and, and go read about it. Um it was cool in Houston. We had a lot of our fans kind of talk to us about, you know, if you walk into a like a military bar and you walk up to a table and you put down your challenge coin, you have your hand over it. Yeah. Anyone else that wants to get in on the game, they'll come and they'll put their hand down next to you. Yeah. And then you remove your hand and whoever has the highest ranking challenge coin, ah. they have to buy you drinks. Sweet. And so uh, my buddy was telling me like he, he has like 10 presidential coins for some reason wow so anywhere he goes it's always the highest ranking one so he just gets free drinks at any military bar sweet uh i don't know how well the action ones will fare for you in one of those instances but i'd say real military bar with real decorated officers i wouldn't try it Uh, (laughs) i would would encourage you not to do it very disrespectful um we uh yeah we had these things that that the highest level we offer in the in the action patreon is uh the general level and uh, we had a special running on these coins where if you joined at the 25 dollar level which is the second highest Highest. We uh, it was supposed to run through the end of May. We're, we're extending it by a day or two here. So if you happen to hear this on the podcast and you want those coins, go check out patreon.com slash team action. We just did a live stream on the YouTube. You can go see them there. But uh, let's uh, let's get into the next part of the show. Yeah. So Paul Thomas Anderson, writer, director of this movie, he wrote this movie when he was 18 years old, which 
I don't even know how you have this much of a grasp of the world at that age. He did a um, he did a different version of it uh, first yep. called the Dirk Diggler story. It's like a short that he shot, and um, that was the it, first thing he ever did. It's like his college film. It's out there somewhere. You mm-hmm. can you can find it. But um, he ended up you know obviously expanding it as his as his second film. The film that he did before this is a movie called Heart Eight. It was originally titled Sydney. Yep, and it's uh, kind of in the it's it's like a Quentin Tarantino esque sort of dialogue driven semi crime drama set in Vegas. Really interesting cast for a first feature. I was just going to say one of the most fascinating things about Paul Thomas Anderson is that he got people like Philip Baker Hall, John C. Riley, Gwyneth Paltrow, Samuel L. Jackson, and Philip Seymour Hoffman to work on his first movie. Yeah. That's unheard of. Yeah. And, you know, they were all pretty established at the time, uh, you know, some more than others. But, I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow was very much doing it. Samuel L. Jackson had been in Pulp Fiction a couple years earlier. Like, yeah. you know, they were they were all on the path. So, um, you know, he, he makes that movie and his he hates that movie. Uh, he hates it because he because he lost a lot of the creative control to the studio and they yeah. renamed it and they took a lot. So he, he's now, you know, that's that movie is not regarded very often as like the movie of his people know. And it's fine. I've seen it. Yeah. I I like it enough. It's fine. I've never wanted to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, I don't really remember it all. I, I watched it once in college. Uh, probably under the influence of certain. Yeah, you were drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Um, and then you know, so after that, he does. Uh, he does. I, I believe he's known for doing a, a decent amount of shorts. But then the next full feature film he does is Boogie Nights in '97. And um, you know, it, it's really interesting if you, if you watch any interviews with Paul Thomas Anderson. He kind of. He's kind of like the bad boy of filmmaking and writing in the sense of he just wasn't going to follow any of the norms that had been kind of laid down for the last century in right. filmmaking. He, he was like, well, if it's good, it's good. Yeah. Why the hell does it matter if it's written the way that everyone else is expecting to write things? And it is interesting because it's also been one of his faults, I believe. I think that like this movie and There Will Be Blood are his most like linear storytelling. But then like, you know, you love Magnolia and a lot of people – don't like the third act of that, and so it drops really far down in the rankings. Yeah, I mean, so he makes this movie, and it's this lets this kind of like you know um, love letter to uh, you know the valley in the seventies, him growing yeah. up, and um, it's this great movie. And he gets all these actors who are either you know really really famous or up and coming, or he kind of revolves Burt Reynolds, mm-hmm. like you know Julian Moore wasn't regarded as that big of a dramatic actress yet. Um, and he gets these great performances, and this movie is really, really, really well regarded. Everybody kind of loves it. It became a cult classic. And so, a few years later, uh, he comes out with Boogie or with Magnolia. Two years later, it's yep. like two hours and forty minutes. It's this huge sweeping movie. He gets huge cast because yep. you know this is he's got a lot of freedom, and um, he makes this really long movie that ultimately has a, as many great scenes in it as this movie. It's just long. So many good scenes. It's long. It's got a great cast. The story is convoluted and it has a weird nonlinear ending. Yeah. That. Um, I, I love Magnolia almost as much as I love Boogie Nights, but they feel in a lot of ways like they represent a period in his career where, like, it doesn't – when I think about the rest of his career, I always think about these two movies as, like, this one moment in time. Yeah. You know, it's like Heart 8, different – totally different thing. Like, yeah. he was getting his legs. They were just letting him try something. And by the time he made his next movie, the time he made Punch Drunk Love, again, that doesn't feel anything like Boogie Nights and Magnolia. No, and that's a, you know shout out to Cody Hall. That's his actually his favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film, and it's great. You know, yeah. Adam Sandler's good. It, it's it's definitely not as popular as in, as a lot of his other films. And I remember my mom watching that when I was a kid, um, kid ish, uh, and she she just turned it off halfway through. Yeah. Makes sense. It's not a movie that my mom would like. It's kind of a weird movie. It is. He's kind uh, of a weird character. Yeah, yeah, he is, and the whole thing is is, is is interesting. But God, does that guy know how to use Philip Seymour Hoffman? I mean that. Honestly, if if was he the villain? He flies across town. He's getting his haircut or something like that. Yep, is that yep. he's yeah, he's the he's the guy that's like running the scams. Yeah, um, 
we, we you know Ben and I have talked a lot in our careers uh, reviewing films about actor director combos and honestly I think if if Paul Thomas Anderson and Philip Seymour Hoffman got another 10 15 years it would have just been magical lights out yeah, yeah. the last movie they made together uh, the master which was one of the last films that Philip Seymour Hoffman made has kind of gone as one of the most underappreciated pieces of art of its time do you like that movie i really like it yeah. really i think i need to watch it again you know i was i was recently on sending the wolf with clark wolf and i think we might have either talked about it on camera i can't remember we definitely talked about it that night and we were both kind of just like so over that movie yeah it just felt like kind of masturbatory for paul thomas anderson just mm. like doing his thing but i think i need to watch it again because i love everyone involved so much it's such a weird movie and the and the characters are all really peculiar the acting is so brilliant yeah. and there's just a lot going on like it's uh it's like a really complex story like it, it like the characters are really really beautiful right um i think i i, I sort of felt disconnected from it when I first watched it. And the more I've thought about it since watching it, the more I've found that I like it. Hmm. Um, I'd like to go watch it again, but who the fuck has time to watch movies twice? <laughs> yeah, you're right. We only got to watch uh, watch what we haven't seen to uh, go and lose in Houston in the second round. <laughs> um, so next up, we're going to get to our critical reception box office. And this is an interesting one because I actually – the box office makes a lot of sense. You know, second movie director you haven't really heard of, but the critical doesn't for me. So this was produced by New Line. It cost fifteen million dollars to make. It was released in October, October tenth of nineteen ninety seven. It grossed twenty six million domestic and an additional sixteen million uh, worldwide or foreign for a grand total of forty three million. So it almost triples its budget, which is that's a that's a big W. No matter who you are, um, and I, I'm pretty sure it's probably just because of the names, the fact that Marky Mark and Burt Reynolds were in a movie. You know. Uh, it opened number four when it opened wide behind I Know What You Did Last Summer, Red Corner, and The Devil's Advocate. Love. Do you hear that Keanu wants to do another Devil's Advocate or is it Constantine? I think it's Devil's Advocate. He wants to do another one. Wait, Devil's Advocate. Oh, yeah, Devil's Advocate, not The Devil's Own. No, Devil's Advocate with him Devil and Pacino. Weird. It doesn't make any sense. Why? Charlize. I don't know. Well, he's not good. <laughs> it's not. Super weird. Although yeah. if you're a kid. It's awesome. It's, it's scary. <laughs> it's yeah. sexy. Um yeah, and the, and the critical is what I think is interesting. It's got a 93% uh, collective on Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm assuming is because it's just older. They only have the one yeah. rating. Um, but it's got a 7.9 on IMDb, which feels shockingly low. I'm pretty sure that There Will Be Blood's probably in the top 250. Yeah, that's a better movie than There Will Be Blood. I mean, There Will Be Blood's a beautiful movie in a different way, yeah. and it's doing something totally different. But this movie's just so unique. I mean, big historical epics come and go, but like. And I, There Will Be Blood is more than a historical epic. It's got yeah. way more going on than that. But like this movie and it being about the porn industry and yeah, the characters. 157. This movie's just so brilliant. I don't know. I'd have to go back and rewatch There Will Be Blood again. It's been a few years for me on that one. Um, but uh, continuing to to move through the show, before we get into the you know the last couple games here, I'm going to just impromptu. We didn't plan for this, so I'm going to put Andrew on the spot. Oh, my God. Uh, we're going to play a top five game right now. And it's going to be each of us ranking our top five Boogie Nights characters. Okay. So throw me this pen here so I can do mine. Uh, Let's see. Top five Boogie Nights characters. See, very often in Action Movie Anatomy, we do all these games. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we do games like overly run, overly rated, underrated, or properly rated. We call that over-sieged, under-sieged, properly sieged. Uh, we'll do things like recasting the movie. We'll do, you know, buying or selling, right. career-defining role. And, uh, you know, because we were doing a shorter show today, we decided that we were going to, you know, do less games. But I figure... Uh, oh, my God. I don't even know how to do this. Yeah, I know. Well, you're going to have to. I don't think I can. The <laughs> 
It's so hard. I mean, okay. So we, you want to do a collective five, or do you no. want? No, you don't. No, I don't want to. I don't want to be on your team right now. <laughs> you son of a bitch! Uh, I hate you. You know whose name we haven't said a single time this whole episode is Louis. Go- no, oh. Louis Guzman. Oh, Louis Guzman is wonderful. Yeah. All right. So I love gonna... when he finally shows up in a movie. He's like so excited yeah. to be there. It's so good. Um. Oh my god, dude! I don't even know how I can how to do this. This is too tough. Um. How often do you? How often do you reference the names of Brock Landers and Chess Rockwell? <laughs> More than any of my friends would like me to. So I work, uh, as well as in the the entertainment industry, I work in the toy business. Some of you guys know this um, that I'm the vice president of uh, vice president of sales of a toy company. I regularly make references to children yeah. about those two characters. <laughs> and uh, and. I have one of the companies that I that I work with. I mean, I, I go to meet with buyers, right? These I, I pitch toys, these buyers for their companies to bring in our product. And uh, one of my buyers has this name, and I'm not going to say his name or the company. It's good, but it's a good decision. It's a name that is very much like sounds like it could be in the industry, in the porn industry. Mm-hmm. It like has that feel to it. Oh, now I yeah. So whenever I joke around <laughs> about the name with my you know with the people I work with, right? Um, it'll come up that that's. You know that like have you have you checked in with such and such? And we'll always we call him Dirk Diggler when we right. talk about it. <laughs> That's great. And so finally, my buddy who I work with was like, "We have to stop calling him that because we're going to be in, you're going to be in a meeting with him soon, and you're going <laughs> to call him Dirk Diggler. That. You're going to call him Dirk, or I'm going to call him Dirk. We got to stop doing this, man." I think I just wrote down characters, like as, like trying to recall all of them, and yeah. I think I actually just wrote them down in my top five. Really? I think so. I'm uh, I'm going to continue uh, for one more minute here. So if you want, you can start with yours. It's almost impossible. It's almost impossible. Okay, so I think for number five, it's a straight tie. And I know that's a cop-out, but I just can't do it. It's a straight tie between Reed Rothschild and Julianne Moore in fifth. I can't believe that would be five for you. I know. I I had a feeling that you were going to say that, and I can't really either. But I look at everyone above it in their moments, and I just really – I just – yeah. So for me, Reed Rothschild that tied with Julianne Moore, my favorite scene from each of them is the the coke scene in the bedroom with Julianne Moore and Heather Graham. And then uh, I love the pool party scene when they first meet each other with Reed Rothschild. The best. Do you have a five or do you want me to just go through mine? You go down yours because I've got – I think I got mine written down here. Number four for me is going to be – Dirk Diggler. You got him in your top five. He didn't make my top five. I thought he might not. Interesting. I really, I really thought he might not. But there's, there's, you know, the stare off scene. Like I mentioned, I, I love the when he's just coked out and being an asshole on set to Jack. It's just so good, and he's so believable. I mean, yeah. it's literally the best role I think Mark Wahlberg has ever played and will ever play. So that's my four number. I'll, I'll, I'll do my five four for you now because I can, now I got my okay. Ranked. Okay. So you said your five. Was Julianne tied with Reed? My four is Dirk. So you get the extra one in there. You're cheated. Yep. You threw in a sixth. That's that's what I said. Yeah. And since you were still writing, you said okay. Yeah. Yep. And I heard it. No, Just I wanted know. to make sure I acknowledged that you were cheating a yep, second time. That's fine. My number five is going to be Alfred Molina. Oh. Yeah. You couldn't use him, could you? Maybe I, maybe I still can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't gotten to my top three yet. Uh, Molina, God, so who uh, is throwing firecrackers and is just the best. I mean, the, I, my favorite scene in the mo- in the whole You're movie. Kidding! It's hard for my favorite scene in the entire movie not to be when 99 Left of Balloons plays and Tom yeah. Jane has his moment. The door gets kicked open. Um, and Molina is just, just rock solid in there. Uh, my number four is going to be Burt Reynolds. My number four is is Jack. It's a real yeah. movie, Jack. It's a real movie, Jack. Yeah, Burt Reynolds is is so good. And when he finally kicks... Dirk out. Yeah. It's scary. He's an old man, powerful. Yeah. I, well, I guess if you went to the sixth, my honorable mention is William H. Macy at six. Yeah, I do love Little Bill. Bill. Little Bill. Yeah, I'll go, but that's Get my honorable there, mention. Got her, 
Acid or cock? Yeah. <laughs> they just left it in because it's so good. Uh, number three okay. for me is Roller Girl. Oh, you put Heather Graham on there. I did. I I. She's so good. Yeah. She's so believable. She's uh, the scene with the with, in the limousine yeah, and afterwards is so gnarly. And she doesn't ever get chances to do this no. a lot in her career. She doesn't. And she just swings for the fences and she hits a grand slam. So uh, I'm going to go number three with her. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, my number three is going to be Reed Rothschild. John yeah, C. Riley. I figured. He's arguably she's... my favorite in, yeah. in a lot of ways. I'm such a fan of him. In this movie, I'm surprised he's not your first. Yeah, I love Reed so much, and I and I think about um, so John C is one of the one of the actors at a level that at this point you would think I would have interviewed by now. Yeah. He seems like he's on the he's on the kind of like where he would have shown up as the fourth lead in some action movie as like a scientist. Well, you've interv- interviewed Farrell, and they yeah. work together all the time, and it does feel like Farrell's more famous. He feels of. like one of the people that I would have been around because a lot of the other people here, one way or another, you know, I've met Molina, I've met William H Macy, mm-hmm. one way or another. But John C, I've always <clears throat> I've thought about like that's a guy who I just. I would love to talk to him about his career because he had such an awesome career. He's been so he's been so interesting. He's funny. He's extremely talented. He's a good dramatic actor. He, he works like, on like, you know, Tim and Eric Awesome show. He was a huge part of for a long time when those guys were kind of nobodies. He like plays dumb funny in a way that almost no one else has ever been able to. Like he, he's heartbreakingly great in yes. Magnolia. Yes. Uh, and his moments that I was talking about I lost my gun today. I just love him. I just like love the character he's so much. Simple, but it, it it's in the same way they always talk about. Like, I mean, if you want to tie this to a movie that you know, in Tropic Thunder, it's like Rotata don't know who Rotata play Rotata, you know, yeah, like right. that whole thing. That's what's so great and endearing about the way that John C. Riley plays his characters in Reed Rothschild and in Magnolias. He's kind of a simpleton, yeah, but he's so earnest and genuine, and he doesn't play them like they're dumb. He plays them like. They're at the top of their game. Yeah. But they are dumb. And he's that, a, they he's are a magician. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> naughty, naughty, Candy. <laughs> I love Reed so much. Oh, um, man. Okay, so my number two. Mind your business, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> my number two is Todd Parker. Todd. I, Todd Parker? You know what it, my favorite things <clears throat> is? In the, in the montage where they're doing drugs just before they go, every time they keep cutting to the same scene yep. of him walking in with the drugs, Todd Todd, they yep. just keep saying his name, and it's like they get more and more agitated. Yeah. Like, where the hell were you, man? Yeah. In the last one, um, yeah, Todd Parker. It never will Thomas Jane do anything so good in his career, and that's not a slight on Thomas Jane, but the way that he plays his character, the the scene when he's super coked out and he goes nuts, it's just perfect. And even the first time you see him at the party, you're like, this guy's a douchebag. Yeah, he's it's, trouble. It's so weird how actors like. They get their moment, and it's almost like it doesn't really matter the age necessarily. It's like they get their moment at 50, but it's like generally speaking men, I should say, because yep. it's different for actors and actresses. But like men get their moment somewhere in their 30s usually. Like it's it, – maybe they've been in a teen movie or some some stuff in their late 20s. But very often like you'll look at someone's career. When did it really take off? And it's like, oh, they were 34 when yeah. they made that role you remember. And then they've got 10 years or so where they're sort of like that guy. Yep. And I remember when his career was sort of starting and taking off. And he gets Punisher in there. He did that movie Stander I think it was called. Um yeah. Right. And like he's in a few things for a little while and you the whole time you're kind of like, all right, Thomas Jane, they're ch- you guys are trying to make him a thing. Uh, you look back on it and you're like, ah, he was almost a thing. He really was. And but not quite. 
And I don't know if it's because of maybe just this movie was just the perfect thing for him. Maybe like the way that him and PT work together. Maybe the the, the ensemble cast elevated him. Yeah. Um, there's just something about him in this moment. It was just perfection. Yeah. Yeah. I love. I mean, I'm a big fan of Thomas Jane. He's another guy. Never met him. Never interviewed him. But yeah. I think he'd be fun to talk to. I've heard he's kind of weird. He goes to uh, he goes to comic cons and he walks around barefoot. Really? Yeah. That's this thing I've heard. Would, of. Wouldn't say anything to him. Yeah. Maybe offer him my shoes. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, because of the Punisher thing, I think he's like a staple at these things. Oh, that's cool. you know, yeah. Because did you ever see Dirty Laundry, the thing from ten years later, the like extremely violent short someone made? No, but I do love that Punisher movie. Oh, you can't believe you never watched this. No, he like ten years after uh, some. It was like a fan made thing of him as Frank Castle, like doing his laundry. And there's like a robbery that's going on down the street, and he like for ten minutes gets to be Punisher again, and just like kill a bunch of dudes. Oh, really? You've never watched this? Oh, you should go. Is look it on up. YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll definitely watch that. Uh, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is gonna be Julianne Moore. It's okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Be, because because for so many reasons, because she's probably other than other than PSH the most purely talented performer in the movie. Yeah. She shows it off. The scene like in the in the courtroom. I was just going to say afterwards. And then when you so see her and she's crying outside the the courtroom is just so brutal and her relationship is kind of weird and motherly with with uh, with Dirk and Heather. Just, yeah, but she plays those scenes so well when she's coked out with Heather Graham, it's incredible. Uh, and when she first meets Dirk like I just yeah. there are so many scenes there are just so many moments. I, I love her in this movie so much. Amber she, Waves. She's such a mother to everyone but her own kid. Yeah. Is what's the saddest thing. She's really thing. foxy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God. So good. Uh, my number one, Scotty J. Scotty J. It's, I mean, it's Believe just. Believe it or not, my number one is obviously fucking Scotty J. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. I mean, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm an idiot. Like, everything from walking down the hallway to the kissing him out by the car to even just buying the car to the. Yeah. Look, everything he does is Perfect. The best thing. I like your name a lot. Your name a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. If I was ever gonna again, that's that's a sad one. Never got yeah. to talk to, to PSH. Ever got to talk to him or meet him. I don't know how I would not be able to bring up uh Scotty J as the very first thing. It's Yeah. It's I mean, between that and being the nurse in Magnolia. Phil Parma, yeah. Do you have a do you which, which one edges one out? Oh, hundred percent Scotty J. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean I mean, don't get me wrong, like it's not like it's uh, not close because as Phil, there are a lot of scenes in Magnolia that he has. Like I love when he's on the phone ordering the groceries and yeah. uh, and, and like they ask him the question at the end if he still wants the groceries after he gets the porn magazines because they think that he only ordered the groceries right. to get the porn <laughs> magazines. Um, and like I love that he's on the phone with, with, with Cruz and he's so excited and Julianne Moore walks in. She starts slapping him and right. hangs up the phone. He starts crying. Yes. His scenes with Jason Robards are unbelievable. Like he's – the, the, it cuts to him like when Cruz is having his like crying moment um, just before, and I think he's like he's like you cocksucker. And he's talking to him. And it cuts to to Phil Hoffman, and he's just like shows his face. He's like, yeah, he's like, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, you know, like he's that guy is the real deal. He he, he is he's like truly one of the the, the saddest stories in Hollywood because he had he could have won five Oscars yeah by the time he was retired, you know, and yeah. You know, even even all the way down to, and obviously this isn't his choice. This is just brilliant costume design. But his wardrobe and the way he wore it. Oh my god! In, in, the, in Boogie is so good. Everything's too small and too tight. All the sh- yeah. When they when the three of them go get their uh, their clothes, the like the bell bottoms. He's like, yeah. yeah. He's like so upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. And he and he plays he plays his character exactly and intelligently the way it should. You yeah. Know, he's not flamboyant. He's not over the top. It's just just brilliant. There's we probably in the same way we've now done a warrior watch along. 
need to do a Boogie Nights watch along at 100%. some point. It yeah. seems because that's the only way I could really get behind being able to talk about every moment of this movie that I want to talk about. There's just so many moments. Like I'm looking at our next game we play here on the show, and it's Ed's favorite line. Yeah. And how do you pick one? Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know. I, I think I think well, there's one line that always stands up to stands out to me, and, it's, and they're both during the drug deal gone bad scene. But it's it's when Todd starts to turn, and uh, and Dirk goes, "What the hell are you doing, Todd?" Yeah, I'm like, "Why does he say the <laughs> like that? What the hell are you doing?" It, like always, it bothers me. Yeah, it like really does. But I've learned to and it's like really love it. My other thing though is. It's like, oh, it's in the floor. I want it in the goddamn floor. I want it in the goddamn fucking floor. I want it right now. And he's yeah. like, I'm, it's like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. It's like, I just want it. And it's like, do not. Yeah. yeah. Reach for your gun. Like the whole thing. And I love, you can see his brain kind of like trailing into madness right before he decides yeah. to snap and do it. Um, that is my favorite line, hands down, is, is Todd Parker saying what he, when yeah. he wants what's in the floor safe. Yeah, I think uh, if I was thinking about my favorite my favorite my favorite line it's probably it's probably when when uh, what's his name Barry whatever looks over it's a real movie jack it's a real movie yeah. jack we've said it so many times now um, <laughs> yeah. that like it's just funny it's like that's become like our line we say but i think it's a real movie jack is probably my favorite line in the whole movie i also really love when dirk is dancing or when no, sorry, just before just before the dancing scene and he's in the um and he's in the store and he's looking at the shoes and he's like <sighs> I'm fucking buying these. Yeah, he <laughs> says it with such like enthusiasm. You're like, I know where this is going. Yep, this yep. is the rise, and there's gonna be a fall. Yeah, exactly. There's no way there could not be a fall because um, we feel so good right now. Yeah, yeah. I was born ready, Nick. Like, I mean, there's just there's so much about this movie that that gets me every time I watch it. I mean, the fact that that song is originally written by Stan Bush for the Transformers, the animated movie soundtrack from 1986. Oh, yeah. That's when that song is written. And that he was like, this is going to be funny. We're going to have him singing the song. Yep. Like he's the guy that composed it. Somehow that's going to be the story. Like that's just amazing that he came up with that. You know what else I love? And it's it's a really dark moment, but it's when the colonel and, and Jack Horner are talking to the glass. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you trust me. You, don't you, Jack? You tr- tr-. And he just like slowly hangs up yeah. the phone. He's like... He's like talking. He's like, Jack, just tell me you're my friend, Jack. You're my friend. He's like yelling. You can't hear anything. It's 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 hard to say heartbreaking. Yeah, because he's a pedophile. Right. He's a horrible person. Yeah. But the way that it's portrayed in the movie is just like, oh, it's gut wrenching. Yeah. And then you see the ending when he's just in prison. Yeah. And how that's going for him. Yeah. Oh man. God, this movie's insane. It's insane. Yeah. It's it's got uh, it's all the all the intensity. Yeah. So there's no AMA question, which is normally something we would do, but uh, if we if you guys go over and watch Action Movie Anatomy, you will get uh, thesis statement and and top five and favorite line and fist pump and all the games that we're playing here because that is the show that we do that on every single week. To make yep. it clear, just in case you are a fan of both and you're listening, <clears> you're wondering, uh, there there is no intention to move that show. That show no. continues over there. We just were never going to do boogie nights on that show, so we felt this was the opportunity to do it over here because we love this movie so goddamn much. Yeah, uh, I think I think honestly. Honestly, next week we're probably going to do a definitive ranking of the X-Men films on this show. And if not next week, it'll be the week after. But I, I think that is next week. Yeah, because X-Men Dark Phoenix, which mm-hmm. uh, comes out probably this weekend. comes out this weekend, I think. I believe so. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm going to see it tonight and uh, we'll be doing a review. And if it's really good, then we're going to cover it. And if it's not, we probably will cover a different X-Men movie. But yes. we'll be on this show. I think the definitive ranking seems like uh, – you know what that means? That means I'm going to have to watch the rest of Raw, Raw, Raw. Is that <laughs> – is that a uh... – was that Oscar Isaac? <laughs> is Oscar Isaac in studio right now? <laughs> I don't know why him as Apocalypse is so wow. funny to me. It's just, it just looks so stupid. It looks like uh, an Oompa Loompa. Or no, it looks like the, the Blueberry Kid from Willy Wonka. 
and like Thanos had a baby. I, I just wonder if he's like. I just wonder if Oscar Isaac, like the premiere, was sitting there watching him and be like, "Why did I? What was Thank I God that Star Wars money's coming. Yeah, no. what, what was I thinking? Like it just. It's just like, and even from like the set design, it's just like. Or, or, or I'm sorry, the costume design. It's like, guys, he looks menacing and mechanical in the comic books. He has like cables coming off the back of his right. head. Why does he look like weird and like some? I know that it's supposed to be the whole four horsemen of the apocalypse, so he should look sort of like. It's so weird. You know, this like Egyptian kind of thing. That's what you're going for, and I understand that. But make him look less human. Was that Olivia's Mun Olivia Munn's moment to become an actress, and then it just came and passed? Well, she. I mean, I know she's been in other stuff. As far as being like a, as far as being like a legitimate, um, you know, let's say a list uh, big dramatic actress in movies. Maybe, but I mean, she did multiple seasons of Newsroom, which yep. won Emmys, and she's great. She was good on that. Yeah, um, she was just in the new Predator, which is awful. She's got a show she's on now. I mean, that movie was really high profile to like be in an X Men movie, but I mean, she's definitely she's definitely a talented enough actress. Like, right. if she's shown it in enough moments. I just don't know if um, I don't know if she I don't know she's what it is. If she's, yeah, or typecast or something, but she doesn't show up in like. She doesn't show up in like a ton of stuff. Like, yeah. That was just like a. Is her name Psylocke? Is that yeah, what it was? yeah. Exactly right. Yes. Yeah. She's got, got a psionic blade. How cool. <laughs> There's a. Yeah, I have to go watch that movie, I guess, if we're going to do a definitive Same. ranking. Same. I think I do too. Uh, I've watched it once. I don't really remember it. You know, a movie I started watching that uh, I had never seen when we did the definitive DCEU rankings hmm. was Aquaman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Watched 30 minutes on the airplane. It's not very good. It's not at all. He's a bro, though. Yeah. You want to hang out with him, right? <laughs> no. I, like, I, I get the love for it. And I, granted, I think there's a lot of other weird stuff that, like, I probably would start to understand later if I watched it. Like, I didn't get to the octopus bongos part and some of the scenes I've seen on YouTube. But right. it's just more than anything. I was just like, there's this, there's an interaction between, like, his dad and Nicole Kidman. And, and she's like, where I'm from, tears wash away. And you're like, okay, so you can nod your head. You don't have to say anything. He goes, he goes not here. Here you feel him. And I, and I was like, because we're underwater down yeah. there. He's like, because there's not water here. You're like, you two need to stop talking. I just like when he said that. I was like, really, guys? Am I that dumb as an audience member? He needs to. He needs to agree with you by saying what's happening. That was like at the end of John Wick Three yeah, when right. he was like, I'll, I'll catch up with you, John. No, you won't. No, oh you my won't. God! I forgot to tell you. There's this movie on Netflix called Always Be My Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got Randall Park and. and yeah, how did you know he's in it? Did you just look it up? No, no, there was a uh, there was a premiere that I got invited to. I didn't go to. It was two weeks ago. No idea he's in it. So the whole movie is about. I, I'm just going to do this. I don't care if we're running out of time. It's so important. So uh, Ali Wong's got this. She's like this famous chef, and her billionaire boyfriend is like a, a restaurateur guy, whatever. Right. And uh, and he at the very beginning of the movie is like, I'm going to move to India for six months, and we should date other people before we get married to see if we really love each other. So whatever. She's going through a heartbreak. Blah blah blah. And then at some point, she finally meets a guy. She's like, I met this guy last night, and he's amazing. He's amazing. And then she's like this huge hickey on her neck, and he's like, you need to come to dinner. You and your girl need to come to dinner with me and him, and it's going to be so great. And they show up at this place called, like, Elemental. It's like a side where yeah, square yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> into the ground. And, like, they're just waiting and waiting and waiting, and who who is it? And then all of a sudden, slow-mo entrance Keanu with a scarf and a flare yeah. jacket. He's wearing glasses with no lenses in him. <laughs> he is the ultimate douchebag. That's it amazing. Is ama- at, some, at one point, he's like, what? He's like, you want to feel alive? He's like, I'll do- he's like, tell me to do, dare me to do something. He's like, I dare you to break that vase over your head. Yeah. He takes it, he smashes it over his head, he starts bleeding. And then they get in a fight. <laughs> like, dude, it goes off the rails. But it was, I was dying the whole time. It's good, huh? 
ah, the movie's fine. Yeah, but that, that moment with Keanu is, is the greatest thing ever. That's funny. I, I knew that he was in it because uh, I got the when I got the release that he was in it. And I was like, oh, Keanu. Like I could maybe I could talk to him, but I was like, I don't know. I don't really want to show up like a Netflix premiere like to talk to Keanu, and then he's just I don't get to. And right. Eh. <laughs> yeah, I guess Ali Wong was just like, I want someone who can kind of be like Asian American, who's a lister, and and of course Keanu's just the coolest dude ever. She asked him once, and he was like, Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll be a douchebag. Of course I'll do it. Um, uh, <laughs> huge, huge Keanu fan. Yeah. So, um, all right, guys. I think that's going to pretty much wrap up the episode. There's one last thing we do here, and it's called uh, which of the three action movie categories? Nice. You were trying like to that. get me, weren't you? I, you, I was like, I don't think this is going to – yeah. Uh, which of the three action movie categories does this movie fit into? Um, so the categories are totally ridiculous. That's going to be movies like Face Off or Con Air. They're, they're really silly, but they're still awesome. They hold together just because like quotable, great, enjoyable. Yep. Totally uh, legitimate. There's going to be movies like Gladiator, The Fugitive. Deepwater Horizon. Lone Survivor, something yeah. like that. You know, they're, they're action movies. They take themselves seriously and they succeed in that regard. And then the, the middle category, which is uh, ridiculously legitimate. And that's going to be movies like Predator, The Rock, Point Break. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're strong movies. They're dramatic. They have maybe one element that really grounds them, like a great lead performance or, or you know, some really compelling story line but there's definitely some silliness that you get some laughs out of as well yeah maybe like a hummer and a ferrari chase throughout san francisco yeah middle of the day you know it's funny because this movie's absurd in a lot of ways yeah and i think a lot of what makes it charming is the absurdity of it being in the porn industry but i just think it succeeds so well i have to call it totally legitimate i do too I, i i couldn't agree more i know that there's moments where like a lesser director or lesser actors would have made it feel like not palatable yeah but it is just done so well and so believable so i ha- i have to completely agree it is totally legitimate. Totally legitimate. Completely agree. Um, all right, guys. Only one, one last thing to talk about, and that's called The Pitch. Wow. I just did it out of instinct. Yeah. We don't have – I already pitched it. Yeah. That's something we do on our other show. <laughs> Usually we say the next movie we're going to cover, and uh, you guys already know that we're going to be doing the definitive ranking of the X-Men movies. So there is actually just the one thing, and that's our general shout-out. Yes. Which is uh, something, again, we mentioned Patreon.com. These are the guys, slash Team Action, these are the guys that donate at the highest level. And we have a brand new general, Jonathan Peck. Yeah. You know, we salute you, Jonathan. But we also have Andrew Hayes, Paul Denuso, Billy Belford, John Getz, and, of course, the infamous and elusive John Patterson. John Patterson. <laughs> a man with many faces. He's never been seen before. Um, thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Uh, check us out every single week on the Collider Factory feed, and the full video for this episode will be available on the Action Industries YouTube page. Bye, guys. Bye. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 it's that little chico pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. 
When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.